Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode that we call the Air Raid Attack Podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and as always, feel free to follow the show on Twitter at Air Raid underscore podcast. Listen to us on iTunes, Google, and Amazon Music. Don't forget to listen to us on the Unhand Sports Network live on Fridays afternoons at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Before I introduce you to today's guest, I wanted to tell you to be ready for a busy week. This is the first night of a three night podcast run so definitely just that but let me introduce you to our guest for today's podcast he is the head football coach of anderson high school he has been a head coach since he was 22 years old he has he has had seven three thousand yard quarterbacks he has averaged over 30 points a game for 11 of the 12 years as head coach also he has had five assistants that have went on to become head coach at other football programs Lastly, Lastly, he has averaged over 80 plays a game. Will you please give a virtual round of applause to Coach Evan Dreyer. Coach, it's an honor to have you on the Air Raid Attack podcast. Oh, I'm excited to talk about Air Raid and our football program and our offense and everything that goes into making sure that we're successful on and off the field. And I think this podcast does a great job of making sure the coaches are getting better and just improving every little detail uh, within the game of football. I appreciate that, Coach, and definitely, you know, we I don't mind talking some football, of course, talking what's going on in college football, what have you. Of course, uh, the biggest um, question, I guess, that I've, I've asked a lot of coaches and even players and just in general is, with, of course, COVID this year, how has that adjusted to your coaching style, to your coaches, practices, so on and so forth? How did that affect you guys this year? I think the biggest thing was that each coach had to figure a different way to teach and instruct and install and video and a different way to get to, to meetings. Like we did virtual installs, virtual meetings, culture meetings. Uh, we met with our kids a lot more throughout the spring and summer which helped our program have a great year. But I think the biggest thing is that each coach had to be really, really good at getting their details across in a way that kids listened because kids' attention nowadays, it's really quick for two or three Snapchat and social media where there's kind of flickering through stuff where you have to get their attention real quick through video clips, Mm -hmm. uh, small amount of words, and – being able to keep their attention for 10 to 15 minutes in a meeting. And then the following day, being able to get it on the field, walk through, because without a meeting room, there was no way uh, you were going to create a uh, kind of culture that you really wanted that every coach has done in the past, where you went from team to meeting to position meeting to walk through to practice. And we had to do it differently. So we did, uh, film after practice, uh, after kids went home, after dinner, um, they had a a virtual meeting and that was really, really entertaining because, uh, we had to be really, really good with as coaches of making practice cutups, uh, game cutups for preparation. Um, and I think that's, what's going to be done in the future. I think we have to do a better job as coaches of making sure our kids are ready and prepared for the game, but making sure that we don't, I'll usually use the fluff. I, Use 80% of what's going to happen in the game and the other 20% and little tidbits throughout the week. 
Very nice. And, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, a lot of coaches and, you know, even here in Oklahoma, it's really, really not really you know, so much of a bind, but it's a different uh, way of coaching, uh, definitely coaching style because of COVID, you know, you have to have protocols and so on and so forth that match the CDC guidelines and what you can and can't do, of course. But when you go into game plan mode, uh, Thursday night, Friday nights, however the schedule is, um, anything different um, in your neck of the woods that was like, wow, this is a little different, but kind of cool at the same time, or, or was it pretty much just normal as is? No, I think the biggest thing in Ohio was that uh, we were like limited to 60 guys that travel uh, on Friday nights, but we were told to get there as late as we can for warm-ups, which I love. You know, I listened to Kevin Kelly from Pulaski Academy about his Friday routine. And we've done that for a few years, uh, getting to late to the games and warming up and just playing ball. And then our half times were down to 10 minutes. So you had to prepare for halftime almost like with two minutes left in the quarter uh, and figure out like what adjustments are you going to make and how are we going to make these adjustments in 10 minutes, then a three-minute warm-up, and then kick the ball right off? So I think that was one of the hardest things you had to do as a coach because you had to be on your toes, and there was no downtime uh, during halftime. You had to sprint to the locker room, get kids in position groups, and have guys be ready to instruct, teach, and get ready to go for the next two quarters. Well, absolutely, and, you know, and it <clears> – <throat> How, 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 but it, it puts you in a different spot, of course, compared to a normal 15-12 uh, minute. It depends on you know how how games are situated. Of course, homecoming games, half times tend to be a little bit longer than a normal game would be. But it definitely puts you in a different position, especially especially like you know, like he said, kind of, you know, practically you're running into the locker room, kind of getting to your position groups and you're back right back out there before you know it. So really kind of hard time. At times they're hard to regroup. Uh, this year in regards to, um, you know, the season-wise, um, how, how did your season go about and uh, the youth and kind of explain, uh, of course, people, of course, here in Oklahoma is different, maybe from Ohio, but explain Explain your kind of culture in Ohio. I think, uh, first of all, uh, our season, our regular season this year, got condensed to six games. Okay. Gotcha. So we had to play six games, and then, like, we got a bye week, but we wanted to play a game because I've never had a bye week at all since I've been a head coach. So in Ohio, you don't have bye weeks. Same here. Um, so right. I took a game, and then, uh, we made it to the Elite Eight, and uh, and uh, it was really, really uh, good for us. We faced the defending state champ, came up a little short. Um, so we went seven and three this year, and uh, I think the biggest thing that I look back upon this year, we played every game, every week, because our kids made great decisions through COVID, and we, uh, we kept our bubble small. We did the right things uh, throughout our weightlifting sessions in the summer, um, we were ready to, we were prepared, uh, throughout COVID with our virtual workouts or meetings. So I was really happy with the way we got to go and thrive for our season. Um, but you know, everybody's goal is to win a state championship, Oh yes. but this year we got to play 10 games and none of them were canceled. Um, and I think that was one of the key successes for our year as we try to continue our journey for next year. 
Um, but the big thing about our culture at Anderson, this is Anderson High School, is that uh, I've always used the hashtag work wins and change our, change our best every day. Um, it starts with our weight room. We live four days in the morning, and our coaches will work out with our players. And uh, it's very different. And it's okay that people say it's crazy that I hire a bunch of guys that are 22-year-old all the way to 45-year-old that work out with their players. And I think that's how you bond with kids. I think that's how you create um, relationships. I never felt like a coach was building a relationship by staying there in the, lot, in the weight room. I, just, I truly feel like each kid uh, deserves to see a, a coach get really uncomfortable and whether he can squat heavy, not at all, do a body squat, it doesn't matter. But the kid needs to see us be uncomfortable and get out of our comfort zone and build relationships. And I, I think that, to me, is the beginning of our culture. And then we talk about going as fast as we can at all times. So our workouts um, on and off the field, like there's no walking, there's no jogging. It's a full sprint because we want to play 80 plays a game on offense. We want to play right around 55 to 60 plays on defense and then uh, – kind of bring the tempo uh, and special teams. So I think our culture, everybody talks about it, you know, how great, how fast they play, how they do that, but how you work out, how you uh, get really, really fast and strong is kind of what we want to do and how we bring our energy every day. And our practices are right around 90 minutes a day. Uh, we do Monday, Tuesday, really, really hard. Wednesday is a walkthrough. I got that from Josh Niblett from uh, Hoover, Alabama, who I think is an unbelievable high school coach. Mm -hmm. And then Thursday we teed up because I think if you go soft on Thursday, I think it's very hard for our kids to get ready by Friday night. And then uh, <laughs> we lift three times a week. Um, we're pro we usually lifted Monday, Tuesday, or Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. Um, but we lift Monday, Wednesday, really hard. Thursday, body weight. Friday, we lift before the game now. And then Saturday, we teed up. So Tuesday is tough Tuesday. And uh, uh, we got we got names for each day. Juice Monday, tough Tuesday, working Wednesday, Brotherhood Thursday, fast Friday. And uh, that's our core values. And that's what we go with each and every day. And it even goes in our off season. So that, that's a little bit about our culture. And uh, if you got any questions, ask away. Hey, that's Man, that's an amazing. Of course, you know, uh, it's all about brotherhood, especially when you know in high school football. Those are the memories, and I used to remember mine in high school football. So, of course, you know, people don't realize, but high school starts. You know, you may say, you know, league and and all that good stuff, and and rightfully so. But high school, you know, those are the good memories, and that's that's really the bondage comes in because I still talk to quite a bit of my high school teammates and even uh, a few of my college still, but. Uh, Definitely, uh, definitely excited. But I got a question in from a good buddy of mine, and I'll be on his show uh, sometime this later of this month. But he messages in: Is there is there a difference? Um, first of all, well, growing up, uh, who was your idol in regards to football? And second, um, if you could imitate or hang out with one coach currently in any ranks, high school, college, or the NFL, who would it be? I think growing up in the great state of Ohio, like I remember the days of going out back of wanting to be Eddie George. Oh, I yes. I think uh, the way he played and ran during that era 
Uh, they had Bobby Hoying, Eddie George, Terry Glenn, Ricky Dudley. I mean, it was unbelievable offense, but every kid wanted to be Eddie George. And then I went through a Peter Warwick phase as I got into high, high school because he was an unbelievable athlete at Florida State. But then he came to the Bengals and gave us a little bit of hope. Yep. Um, and uh, I think those two guys growing up, uh, but I still remember uh, watching Notre Dame as well, one of being Jerome Bettis. Oh, one of being number 36. And that because every in the Midwest, that's a game. You're my dad was an Irish fan, my brother's an Irish fan, and my grandpa was an Irish fan. That's what you watch. Yep, you watch that on Saturday afternoons. And uh, those were the days of when you turn it on and they ran out there, and it, it was really, really cool to be in a family setting to, to watch Jerome Bettis. But um, that would uh, be the players I emulate. But the coach, I think that I would love to talk to, um, that I think, you know, it's very different because everybody, Urban Meyer and Nick Saban, and everybody wants to talk to those guys. But uh, I think to myself, the guys that, like, to really go through it all right now of, like, a guy like you always see Matt Campbell, oh, right yes. one of the hottest names in all of college football. But, you know, I look at it and say, there's guys that I've seen afar from that I haven't been able to like see from a clinic of like Kyle Whittingham at Utah just keeps winning and his ability to keep winning at Utah and nobody's ever done it. Like Chris Peterson, when he brought yeah. Boise State, how'd he do it? Like those things. I would really love to talk uh, to to everybody about like every little coach that I think has a little bit of a niche um, that I'd love to talk to. But uh, the biggest guys that I, I would love to talk to Pete Carroll. I think Pete Carroll, just his ability to win at USC, his ability to win at the national football league. He's always won. Um, everybody thought it was the way he recruited, but now he's at Seattle where he's just, a great guy and the more you read about him it's like okay how does he do it this culture is so different because in the midwest everybody wants to emulate urban meyer yep. due to his ohio state and how he did it and i think his culture is so much different than uh pete carroll's and so uh i'd love to have a conversation with pete you know pete carroll's an excellent coach you know, i remember him boy way back when um of course usc days and in, in not to make light, but I still remember the the fifty nine nineteen beating that he gave the, or my Sooners. But uh, but now, yeah, I remember him even originally in the NFL before he went back to the college ranks and then back up to Seattle. Now, Pete Carroll being an excellent guy, I think um, for sure. Um, I think, oh boy, I know on my end, you know, I'm only 30, 32. I'll be thirty three in a few months. So of course, I'm still you know still young. In the, but, you know, I think Tom Osborne um, would be one. But, you know, uh, I think one would be Bobby Bowden, I think, would definitely be one. I would just love to kind of kind of just pick his brain, um, you know. And and I'll, I'll be a little biased. I think Lincoln Riley would be interesting because, you know, he's already his guru, offensive guru. And I can just I can just picture, you know, uh, Lincoln Riley in his office, like literally just – dissecting everything and every angle and what he's actually thinking and his i'm sure his mind just goes like 120 miles an hour i'm sure of that i think the biggest thing is i'd love to just talk to lincoln 
and the O-line coach and for an hour. Oh, yes. Figure out how those two dial it up uh, and how they get it done, of how they challenge everybody's run fits. And they do a great job of playing with tempo. And, and the O-line is really, really good at Oklahoma. But they do a, everybody wants to talk about GT counter, but I want to talk about how they pass pro off of GT counter and pulling the guard. Like, it's unbelievable what they do off uh, play action pass. Absolutely. Well, exactly. And you look at it, um, a lot of questions, you know, of course, it's what, what Spencer Rattler does is phenomenal. Um, you can't really, I guess, playing style-wise, the way he throws it, he can kind of do a side, the sideways pass, kind of like a Patrick Mahomes. But, of course, Mahomes got – a little more height to him than, than Rattler does. But I would love to sit down exactly. Um, even Alex Grinch, a, a guy that has been known for forming defensives and so on and so forth. Uh, another question coming in. Um, growing up, what has Coach Evan always wanted to be and did he always want to be a head coach in football? Oh, I, I think growing up, first of all, um, both my parents uh, didn't graduate from college, um, and my mom's from Fort Lauderdale. My dad's from Cincinnati. My dad, uh, we own uh, a little bit of um, a meat plant, meat processing plant. So, um, and that's what he's done in our family business. And he's been able to give my brother and I an opportunity to, to teach and coach. And that's what I've always wanted to do from the get go. I've had great coaches like. Uh, I had Steve Clonty, who was at Cincinnati Moeller, that was like national champs in like 84, 85, mid 80s when he had Cincinnati Moeller on the mm-hmm. map. And I had him as an assistant. And then I've had some really good coaches when I co- played at Division Three. But I always wanted to be a head coach of high school. And every high school coach won't say it, but they, they always, we always talk about coaching college football if we could do it. And I, the inkling of coaching college football is always everybody's itch to see if in, in everybody's ego, can you coach at the highest level? Like, can I go up against Lincoln Riley? And how cool would that be? Can I go up against Alex Grinch and score points? Everybody dreams of that. But I don't know. How do you get those opportunities? Is it preparation? Is it networking? Is it what do you have to do? And I think the biggest thing is that be where your feet are, enjoy. Uh, every moment I've been able to enjoy it, you know, since I was 22 to become a head coach after being assistant at two programs, I've tried to enjoy it. And I have fun every day with the kids. Um, being 36, I would tell anybody like, I'm not even one halfway through my career and you got to smile and get going every day and enjoy the kids And I think that's the biggest thing, whether the kids are 14, whether the kids are 22, kids are kids and they all want to be learned, taught and loved and coached every day. And uh, uh, I don't know what the world uh, is going to have for me in the future, but dead gum and I'm going to love every day and and be the best high school coach I can be. Hey, absolutely. You know, nothing wrong with high school coach uh, coaching high school sports, you know, here in Oklahoma and and I'm sure there is in Ohio. You know, it it's I shouldn't, but it's definitely a uh, you're you're glued to the TV. Whether it's you know here it's you know six A, you know you got Jinx, Tulsa Union, Broken Arrow, 
Coach, let's talk about the news of Broken Arrow. Broken I was about to touch subject on that one. That's kind of my next subject. Yeah, um, I don't know what to think about that. I was actually on lunch, and um, <clears throat> and I read the news. That was a shocker. You know, Broken Arrow winning 2018 and, uh, you know, took him to the playoffs. Um, I know he was pretty quick this year to a young Tulsa Union team. But uh, that was a shocker, and I don't know if there was more behind the scenes, but uh, wow. I have to give kudos to that coach for what he did on social media and how he presented it as an alum. And, like, that to me showed me how classy that guy is. And I don't know him, and I'd love to just shake his hand and say, you've handled it the right way, and all high school coaches – should be able to look him in the eye and say, that's how you earn respect around our coaching profession. And um, uh, I loved how he handled it. And I'm sure he's heartbroken. I'm sure he loves those kids. And uh, well, from a guy from the Midwest, uh, you know, our, our heart goes out to the guys that give it all in their coaching profession. Uh, so uh, that's, that's respect. Um, so I tip the hat to those guys. Oh, absolutely. And if you guys are just joining in, of course, if you guys haven't heard the news, as big time course here in Oklahoma, and even in the coaching ranks galore, uh, Broken Arrow firing David Alexander um, after seven seasons. You know, of course, he won the 2018 state championship, did a phenomenal job with Broken Arrow, went 60 and 23 during that time frame. Of course, unfortunately, this year losing to Tulsa Union, who's a young Tulsa Union team. But uh, of course, Broken Arrow finished, uh, I want to say, seven or four. Um, but phenomenal job, and like you said, what Coach Alexander, the way he held it at the end of the, you know, how he did on social media, phenomenal. And uh, I think that regardless of whether Broken Arrow wanted to go in a different direction, whatever the case may be, I know Coach Alexander is definitely going to be uh, – he won't be unemployed for, for too long. And I, I think there's – like Oklahoma high school football – is really really good and i don't think people in the midwest understand it because we don't see as much because everyone's talking about texas high school football um but uh that would be uh, unbelievable to see some oklahoma high school football teams ever get to compete against us in the midwest that would be pretty neat um what class are you guys or is ederson high school in so we're in uh, Division Two. We have right around 1,300 kids. Um, our biggest class is one above us, um, and that's that is. Um, I think there's only right around 64 schools in Division One, and they're the top tiers. Nice. And uh, yep, uh, we were we were state champs in 2007, runners up in 2008, um, and then the. the past five years i've been a head coach four out of five we've went to the playoffs and we went to the regional finals once regional semis twice so uh we're still building this thing up the right way very nice and and that's the way to do it you know and you know people want success immediately but the, the right way to do it is build a program with the the uh, the great morals and values and and to trust the process and it's all going to work out in the end i think everybody's like gets caught up with uh, listening to Nick Saban about the process that he does. And I think that the biggest thing is to me is there's a process, but the kids, teenage boys struggle to continue and 
they have to get some kind of did they win today more of what did they do today to keep improving for tomorrow about the process and the journey because i think teenagers struggle with realizing that what you put in today is going to help you in a week and what you put in a week is going to help you in a month like that's where i think uh high school coaches got to make sure that there's a winner or loser each day and how how did your team program do today um, so you get ready for, you know, more winter weights all the way to spring to summer. And how's your team going? Because if you talk about the journey, we don't play till August. And I think some kids struggle with that of like, well, I can push a lot of things off. And the best programs don't push anything nope. off. Oh, no, not at all. And uh, unfortunately, during my high school uh, career, you know, we, we weren't that <laughs> – we weren't the greatest, but that that was perfectly fine. But you know, it, it was the you know, regardless, you know, you put it out there um, week in and week out, and just something about high school sports is by far phenomenal. Um, of course, you're in the Ohio area. Your thoughts? Uh, of course, the college football playoff rankings came out uh, yesterday. Uh, no surprises in the top four, which was expected as is. Your thoughts on what Coach Fickle and Cincinnati has done this year, and is there still a chance that they could somehow, some way, sneak in that uh, that Final Four spot? I, uh, first of all, I think Luke Fickle is one of the top yep, and upcoming yep. coaches. Him and Matt Campbell are very similar, and being an Ohio guy, uh, Matt Campbell leads just – the way he coached at Toledo, mm-hmm. dirty hat, got after it. The guys love him. And Luke Fickle does the same thing. I mean, his culture, um, Clifton style, Clifton Tuft, of just being a little part of uh, Cincinnati is unbelievable. He didn't waver at all after his first season. I think that's what has made Luke really, really special is that he stuck to his plan, and his plan was – Almost a little bit of a blueprint from Urban, but Luke has a great personality and uh, fits into uh, what Cincinnati has done. And uh, they play great defense. Their offense has become above average. And I think the quarterback does a couple great things in in the pocket now. He's great outside the pocket. But I think the biggest thing, if you go to that culture, it is so, so, so good from the weight room. Uh, their weight strength coach, Brady Collins, is a guy that must you must follow because he's one of the most intense people I've ever been around. But he brings it every day, and Coach Fickle brings it every day, and it's so together down there right now where it could be really, really special. Do I think they get a chance? I hope so because I think Alabama, hopefully they beat Florida, mm-hmm. and I think – Somebody's got to play their way out of the a- ACC. I just don't know if Clemson or the Irish, you know, can both be in. You know, hopefully Irish win again so the UC Bearcats can get in. But I, I truly think they can compete with anybody. And I think the whole thing that every Cincinnati fan would love to see is Cincinnati play Notre Dame and see how good Fickle truly, truly is. Oh, that would be that would be a wonderful matchup. Of course, you know, Coach Fickle did a phenomenal job, and not taking anything away 
from uh, from Notre Dame, and I still think Notre Dame could. I get people like, oh, they beat them without Trevor Lawrence. I, I get that. That's part of the game, but we'll see. I'm I'm with you. I don't know if you can get two uh, ACC teams in. Of course, Texas A&M tr- hanging around, but I don't know. Obviously, you know the SEC love fest, but uh, we'll see. Um, Coach Solich at Ohio. Very, of course, he's a legend. Have people majority at if you know Coach Solich at uh, at Ohio. Of course, he's long term Nebraska head coach. <clears throat> Do you think he stays around just because of love of the game? Or I obviously don't follow Ohio too much like I used to with Solich, but uh, my dad knows him because my dad's a Husker fan. But uh, but um, how how are people? How are the if you know, of course. How is Ohio yes. um, acting with uh, reacting with Solich? And is he just there just to coach the young kids at this point, be like more of a mentor than anything else? I think the biggest thing Frank does is he lets his coaches coach. He loves to be around the game. He's always around the facility. He allows his guys to recruit guys that are developmental guys, and they do a really, really good job because they recruit differently than a lot of people in the MAC. And I think some people haven't figured it out of Frank is there. He does a great job closing on recruits and he just, why would you give it up when you enjoy every day going to work? And he, he's just so solid. Like he's just the guy that just keeps going to work and is so steady and consistent and the assistants love him. And He's an icon for Ohio University. And I think to be able to say, like, every year they're right around eight eight wins or so, and they compete, they play sound football, and to be a stable – to be a, to be stable in the MAC is truly, truly how hard does it be because those teams fluctuate uh, with coaching staffs and talent from year to year. <laughs> I'm not for sure – um, if you just, I'm on Twitter. Of course, I'm trying to get these questions in. Uh, Mike, and I apologize if I butcher his last name. Koenig um, is uh, he's still upset at you um, for throwing 500 yards against him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Coach Koenig. Yeah, yeah. Their their defense is really really good at LaSalle. And uh, we we played our best game, but uh, they were really really solid, and they're defending state champs for a reason. And um, it, it's it, they're they're one of the best Division two programs in in the state of Ohio. And it's Akron, Hoban, Maslin, LaSalle, and everybody's trying to play catch up to those three programs, with, as well as Toledo Central Catholic. Very very nice, and and uh, I, I kind of figured I'll, I'll let you uh, let you know that that uh, he's still upset. he's still upset about that. <laughs> He won the game, but I think that's the biggest thing that I, I, I think he's going to be able to smile a little bit harder after he gets over it. They won, they won the game that night. <laughs> On a serious note, um, when college coaches uh, come to you, hey, coach, so on and so forth, what's your approach when college coaches, doesn't matter what level, um, come out there, ask about a certain individual, so on and so forth. Um, what, how do you approach it? And 
what's your approach, I guess, in a way to uh, to the college recruiting process? So uh, I played Division three football. I think I would tell anybody. I think people need to go watch Division three games, NAIA games this spring, and to be able to see how good a football it actually is. And I, we have a recruiting website which I think is one of the top tier things we do right off the bat. The days of trying to get all the kids, you know, recruited on a spreadsheet, coaches don't have time for that. So we have a recruiting website. Uh, We send out the website to each um, coach and we go forward from there. We answer every division three email all the way to the top tier text message from Ohio State. And I think that's the biggest thing is that as a high school coach, you don't know where, first of all, that college coach could be next the following mm-hmm. year. And you want to help your kids out to the, and get them in the best position possible. And uh, we've been really, really lucky uh, to be able to help a lot of kids play college football. And uh, I, I'm very, very proud of our staff and how we went about it. And we did it the right way uh, by making sure our kids get us assessed as much as possible uh, in the spring uh, through our weightlifting program and our speed and agility. So I, I think the biggest thing is that I would tell any high school coach, do not delete an email, send something back. Even if you don't have kids that year, just say, Hey coach, you know, these are the kids in the future. These are the GPAs. Um, we don't exaggerate. We don't lie. We don't try to fabricate the truth of the kids. Six, four, we don't say six, six, because they don't have time um, to deal with a high school coach that exaggerates the truth. Um, and they will, they'll always remember it. So uh, I, will, I think the biggest thing in the recruiting process, I try to help the guys as much as I can, uh, be straightforward, honest, and make sure they're, I'm worth their time and I help them as much as possible to be able to relay information. Very nice, and uh, I'm with, yeah, I forgot, totally forgot about that. Definitely give the NAIA um, D3, I believe, I'm not for sure if D2's doing spring or not. Of course, I know junior colleges, if there's colleges out there around that your area that is junior college and does play football, we don't have many, if any, here in Oklahoma, I think maybe one. But um, <clears throat> definitely, definitely uh, get ready for spring football, and hopefully it goes well and and we can get some more football in there, especially, uh, you know, I love watching Wisconsin Whitewater and AIA, um, John Carroll, and and uh, I'm going old school, but Southern Nazarene at one point in time used to be in NAIA. I think they're D3 now. I can't remember. But anyway, NAIA, D3, definitely some good football to watch. Um, what's your style of play in regards to offensive scheme? And how do you manage your playing time um, on the field? Oh, I think um, style of play is the way we practice. And uh, I think the biggest thing I would tell anybody that to try to get 80 game, 80 plays off, you've got to be really, really consistent in what you do. And you got to believe in a few run schemes and be able to, to align them formationally from week to week. And – uh, with our passing concepts, be able to tag or switch people, outside receiver, inside receiver, the third receiver, and the first receiver. How do you switch all those guys and do it in a simple uh, w- way without tons of verbiage? And I think we've been able to do that 
Um, we've we studied a lot of people, and I think the whole thing is, can your quarterback count numbers in the box? If so, how quickly can it do it? And can we get the ball out uh, to our, our skill guys as fast as possible and let them make plays? Can your quarterback play a point guard and dish it out, or is he the athlete that we want the ball in his hands? From year to year, it's different, um, but I, I think the way you have to practice – uh, is totally different. And I would tell anybody, I don't believe in the scout team. I think going against the scout team is absolutely ridiculous. Same here. Um, so, so um, that's one of those things where uh, we don't draw up cards. I think our defense is multiple, so we can switch it from week to week and let our kids play our defense and get after it from there. So um, that's how we play really, really fast. You know, a lot of people want to talk about schematics of power post or uh, any RPO stuff. That's in our arsenal, but we don't spend a lot, a lot of time on it because that's just a little small thing we do um, from week to week. And uh, we're going to line up an empty or three by one 90% of the time and go forward from there. I like that. I'm very. Uh, I like the uh, the go go mentality. Uh, no huddle. We're just gonna we're gonna wear and tear you down. We're gonna run and you know, ground and pound so to speak um, against your defensive line. So definitely we're gonna you know we're gonna make you tired, but uh, it's gonna be fun at the end when the season's over. And of course you know coaching gets a lot of hours in, a lot of sacrifice time. Sometimes you know takes some time away from your family, um, but. When the season's over, what do you like to do for fun, Coach? I, I think, uh, first of all, my wife runs her house. So I'm not going <laughs> to lie about it. Like, I, I think the hardest thing is where do you fit in at yep. your house? Right after school, like, you're done and you come home like, okay, what, like, what is, like, the dinner routine beforehand? Like, what do I do um, type of thing? And uh, uh, I love to go fishing. I love to – kick the soccer ball around with my daughter, uh, play Legos with my son. I think the biggest thing is that, so in Ohio, you get 28 days off where you can't do anything. Correct. And so like for those 28 days, I really don't know what to do at all other than whatever my wife tells me to do, whatever I can do with the kids. So um, I think that's what I do. I hang out, work out, and think about what we're going to do for – and then our season starts already after the 28 days and but you still can only just work out so we work out in the morning and we come i come home and uh pretty much make sure that the christmas trees put up the christmas lights the dishes are done guys uh, i think the biggest thing of a high school head coach is like you don't really understand when you get home you're not in charge anymore nope. you're just the assistant coach <laughs> inside your house and anybody who like like says differently is crazy to me. So I get to do a great job, but I'm the assistant coach at home and uh, I love my wife and uh, she, she's awesome. And uh, she loves sports. So we watch the Buckeye games all together and uh, our whole family uh, watches a little college football and uh, that's what we do. And uh, I'm okay with it. Like uh, there's not, I like country music there's not like a huge hobby like that. I love, I can go fishing and hang out. Awesome. I can watch a mm -hmm. game. Great. But uh, guys, 
I'm also a movie buff. I love movies as well. And uh, so uh, that's, that's what I got for you. Hey, nothing wrong with that. And uh, I know by experience as well. So uh, I got an oldest son. He, uh, unfortunately, their middle, middle, season, uh, middle school season uh, couldn't even be uh, played out this year, which he was bummed. Um, but uh, hopefully next year we can uh, we'll get back to the to the grind of things. But um, no, definitely, I definitely feel you on that one. Um, so I'm, of course, uh, your thoughts on, on on Field Justin Fields. What would be a good fit? I think I talked this on the last show um, with Jimmy. Maybe not. I can't remember. Um, what will be a good fit for him in the NFL? What team, in your opinion, would be a good fit? I think, and I'm not going to say an organization. I think the biggest thing for Justin Fields is that he's got to play 70% of the snaps out of shotgun right off the bat. Like, they do a couple things really good under center uh, at Ohio State. Um, some play action shots that create explosive plays. He does really good stuff, but out of the gun, get him really comfortable and let him play ball from there and get him outside the pocket. Um, they almost need to say like, we're going to take a little bit of a college mentality and let him have success first because he's so athletic and he throws the ball well when he has time. Now I think his anticipation has to improve, um, with some throws to get the ball out of his hands. Like, he's so athletic, he gets out of the pocket in college uh, to get out uh, some sack situations. But he's got to be able to do some things and anticipate and be ready for how fast the NFL game is. I like Fields, and I think you're absolutely correct. And we talked about, I think, getting him out of the shotgun. Um, he's going to have to um, run out of that. I think um, – It'd be an interesting fit. I mean, I can't, on top of my head, I couldn't even remotely tell. I think we've, I forgot who we even um, think. I don't remember what even Jimmy even said at this point. But regardless, um, he can be successful. But again, uh, under the right schemes. Um, another question coming in on, hold on, let me pull it up here. Another question on the message um, sent to me. From a from a good buddy um, who I played with in college, your thoughts um, is Joe? Oh Lord, is Joe Bureau um, a bust or does he just need an offensive line that can block? Uh, Mike says O line's the biggest issue, which I thought it was, and then he says he doesn't think so at all. What's your What's your thoughts? I I would tell you, uh, Joe Burrow. People in Cincinnati love him. And his story is amazing. Like, we love him to death. And we think that with any type of O-line that would be average in the NFL, that Joe's going to be doing great things. We feel like he never even got an opportunity to yep. crushed week in and week out. And the running game did not help him either. So, like, when people talk about, well, they had a couple weeks where they ran the ball well. Well, that's when Joe mm -hmm. was playing well. Like, like I want to, like I always laugh at because people crushed Tim Couch. Tim Couch got crushed in Cleveland. Like, are we gonna let Joe Burrow get crushed like hit him, or are we gonna get him O line? He has enough receivers and running backs that we feel at, that are that we're confident in Cincinnati. But if we don't fix the O line, uh, 
in two or three years, Joe Burrow will be moving on to a better ball club and probably going further in the playoffs. So that that's the Joe Burrow. But, but as of right now, he owns Cincinnati, and his attitude and personality, the way he talks to our media – we love him up here. You know, I liked him. You know, I know I gave him bad, bad grief um, when I was a guest on one of the podcasts. Um, it's been a while now, but of course, you know, has nothing to do with a, a sour taste from the Chick-fil-A bowl, but um, rightfully so. But uh, who's <clears throat> being, of course, in Ohio, I'm sure it's probably a tough one to say, maybe not. Um the biggest star who, right now, who would you say is the face of Ohio, um, Baker Mayfield or or Joe? I, I love Baker, but I've studied Baker since he was mm-hmm. at Oklahoma. Just the way he acted like – and I've had quarterbacks try to emulate Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I want to be – yeah. Like that's the part where people understand like – Baker play Baker's story about the walk on playing with a chip on his shoulder. Like every quarterback, I still remember when he got drafted. Every quarterback in our youth camp wanted to be like him. Give me number six. Give me. I'm gonna do this. Like, and I'm like, God. Okay, we're gonna have headbands and number six. And I love that. Oh, absolutely. Like, I love his story. I love how the way he acts. I love. Um, you know, there was the clip of the one year or a couple year anniversary of the Kansas when he didn't get the hand. Oh, yes. It was like grab with a crop. Then the foul. Then he did some foul language and some accent. And it, like he learned from that, I believe. But he played unbelievably well. And um, and I, I think a competitor like him, um, everybody loves. But like I think Joe, the Joe story, then. Joe leaves Ohio State, goes to LSU, and all of a sudden wins the Heisman. Like that story's really incredible too. But Joe has didn't have the story that Baker did. It's more of how Joe improved with Dwayne behind Dwayne Haskins, switched schools, and became an LSU changed their offense with Joe Brady and Joe Burrow, and everything kind of meshed all together. So that to me. There's two different stories, two different personalities that people still love. But I think if Joe Burrow has an average O-line, I think we're going to see the Battle of Ohio uh, in years to come, which will be fun to watch for the first time probably since I've been alive. Well, it's definitely going to be um, – it'll be interesting. I hope, you know, of course, Joe gets a good recovery back. Um, I know that the damage is – Suppose you know is a little worse than what they were hoping for, but uh, I think uh, during the off season, uh, get some definitely. Uh, excuse me, get some help on the offensive line. Kind of reminds me of maybe not so much, but kind of reminds me of with Andrew Luck. You know, with in, in Indianapolis, you know, I think uh, getting him banged around quite a bit without without a offensive line. But um, of course, talent wise, uh, Joe and Andrew, I think, is a little on the on the different side. Um, to um, say the least. least. Um, your thoughts on the well, – okay, there we go. Uh, same person – where are we at here? Okay. Uh, same person. If – what? Okay, here we go. Um, same person on the heading into the offseason. What's the biggest adjustments that you would hope to see in your team and what would be your greatest weakness that you hope to see improve during the offseason? 
I think it starts from the junior to be senior leadership of how you have to develop your team for next year. The juniors have to finally realize that it's their team and how to make people gravitate towards them and for them to be confrontational leaders in a positive manner. I think that's the hardest thing to do within the first three or four weeks of how do you make them leave positively, have an unbelievable work ethic, and to be a try-hard. Wants, nobody wants to be a try-hard anymore, and it kind of ticks me off because that's the part of the issue in today's society, and we try to change that real quick as we go in the off season. So um, we do a bunch of com competition drills um, right off the bat. We got tug of war. Um, we got plate carries, any kind of anything that you can, we got uh, wrestling toe touches. We have all that crab fights. And I, I think that's the biggest thing as we go forward of trying to create guys that really, really want to compete and lead in a positive manner. And uh, I, I think each year, you have to do it differently because each personality of the seniors is so different. And who's going to be vocal? Who's not going to be vocal? Who's going to lead through actions? Who's going to lead um, positively? Who's going to, who's going to be the guy at Texas and in a group chat and gets those guys all fired up? Who's going to lead behind the scenes and make sure we all show up for our fundraisers? All those little things. You don't know yet. You're hoping as a head coach, an assistant coach, but it comes down to it of who can we lean on and get in a foxhole with. And, and every coach is impatient with that. And I think over time you have to make sure you're developing and you're climbing that mountain uh, each day. So true. I think in leadership, you know, regardless if it's a sport, excuse me, if it's a sport or you know, just daily life and your know, leadership is a crucial part. Um, I had a good conversation with a good friend of mine earlier today. We were just talking about just leadership in general. Um, you know, without good leadership, your team is, is only as good as your leader is. And, uh, you know, we had to kind of, kind of help them through some things, but um, no, that's true, especially on the field. Uh, juniors, you want that experience to get out there, especially when you get your freshmen in the young kids, you know, getting some experience, um, some uh, some uh, leadership in there, I should say. But um, what has been what's how should I, well, what's been the biggest challenge for you um, through your through your career so far as a head coach? Is it, I guess a three part question. Your biggest challenge, the number one pro and the number one con so far in your uh, head coaching career. I think the, the hardest thing to do is to organize your time because you're going to get pulled each way, every way possible. And I think that is the hardest thing to do. And I've decided I'm always going to put relationships and kids first. So if I'm not the most organized man, if our practice plan isn't down to the second, I'm going to make sure our kids are put first. And I will always do that. And if I, the parent meeting, the fundraisers and all that stuff can take a backseat because I'm going to put the Absolutely. kids first. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. I'm sure other coaches are really good CEOs and I are really good Excel sheets. Yep. I'm good Excel and I don't care. And I'm fine with that. I'm not, I'm not the best 
like dress guy. I don't care about that stuff. That doesn't win games. I think about the most thing, the best thing you can look at every day as a head coach is, is this helping our team improve? Is this helping our team win? Is this helping our kids get better academically, athletic, or socially? And then move forward from there. That's the only questions we have to answer. And I think the, the biggest thing is that people want to throw, hey, you should do this, you should do that. Well, it's like, oh, well, that's going to, how long is that going to stick to the wall? Because I don't really want to do it. Kids don't want to do it. So why are we doing it? Well, everybody else does it. I don't care. And um, as you go through time, the experiences, I think that's the one of the best things that I've come across is that you, I enjoy being around the kids every day. So why would I take that away from me and walk around the practice field where I set up cones or like act like I'm a special teams coach? Because that's what Urban Meyer did where I coach punts. I think punt is the worst playing football. So why would I do something I don't really want to do? So I think that's where everybody's a little bit different. And I'm not going to change like because I read a book. I'm going to improve because I read a book, but I'm not going to change our whole philosophy um, on a weekly basis because somebody else did it. And uh, you got to be able to have uh, your own thick skin. And uh, I think that's what I've been able to do with experience. So that's one of the most the positive things uh, I would learn through experiences. You're going to be able to grow as a coach and realize what's what's the most important thing for you. Well, and I think you honestly, I think you, in my opinion, and I know people have, well, I would have said this, that, and that's perfectly fine. But I think you perfectly nailed it. I think it's just be yourself, number one. And, and you got to have thick skin and, and realize that, you know, I'm not going to change for nobody. Or, yeah, it's obviously good to improve. And I think we can all improve, you know, regardless of if you're out there listening, if it's a spiritual matter or, or anything like that, um, we can always improve. But, no, I think your answer, absolutely, in my opinion, nail it on the forehead. Um, I think I think coaches struggle with that brute yep. honesty that I just gave because they want to give a politically correct answer and are worried about outside distractions of their program. But when all comes reality to it, if the kids – love you and want to be around you then then you've won the day and why why not just worry about that and stop worrying about um other things and if i can get that kid to finish every assignment and turn it in great i think the mulch fundraiser can wait another day so i can help this kid out and it's i know people are so into Excel yep. sheets and organization and plan out every day of their life. Well, I can't do that. That's not the way I'm going to run our program, and that's not the way I'm going to function. So it's one of those things where I'm sure I test people's you know, personalities or how the heck does that guy get some stuff done, but it's okay. Uh, I got thick enough skin, and my <laughs> wife will make sure that I know that she's in charge and She'll give me her thoughts and opinions of what I should have done. It could have. Hey, done. and and I'm I'm with you. Like I said, I'm with you in the same boat. Uh, you know, I don't wake up and my alarm goes off at six a.m. I'm like, hmm. Well, let me get my Excel sheet out and uh, see. Oh, six thirty. I got to you know take a shower. Six forty-five. Get you know the kids up and ready to go for school and so on and so forth. So, you know, I and then whatever happens, I always say, you know, I, I may not plan everything out accordingly, or I may not say the right things, but you know. Hey, 
it, I get the job done regardless, maybe a little bit longer, maybe quicker. But at the end of the day, it's going to get done one way or another. Uh, the the biggest thing I would I would look into in our coaches' careers of like each coach that has left me took a little bit of part of our blueprint, which is awesome. They don't need to be little Evan Dryer when they become head coaches. They need to be the best head coach and with their own version and be the best them. So, I uh, you know sitting here and thinking about it of like you know what what, what do we do really really well? Well. Each coach got a little bit of piece of it and moved on and became great head coaches. Um, so I, I would look at it into that of like, if you're a head coach, what pieces have people stolen from you? And that should be one of the best things you do. And uh, don't ever change from that. Nailed it. And uh, for people out there that's listening to the show, um, what advice would you give someone that's willing to, that wants to get into coaching Let's go two rows. First off, the the player has experience, uh, so with experience playing football. What advice would you tell him if he came up to you say, "Hey, coach, I really want to get into coaching, but I don't know really what to do." This, that, and something else. And then to the other player that has no experience, because some people do realize that Mike Leach, the head coach of Mississippi State, has no experience, and that I know that someone else out there. Is it Bill Belichick, I believe, has no um, playing experience? I can't remember. Um, but anyway. Well, I know yeah, Charlie Weiss. Is, it, yep. is he still getting paid by Notre Dame? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> At one point, it was Notre Dame. Can't. I'm sure. I'm sure he's still getting paid by somebody. But what kind of what kind of advice on the serious note? What kind of advice would you tell uh, someone with experience, uh, playing experience, that wants to get into coaching? I think with the guy with playing experience, I would say, hey, let's let's get you in the weight room and see if you want to coach like you played and let's groom you and let's mentor you from there, how you want to, what kind of coach you want to become. Because with our young assistants, we do that. We give them a weightlifting group and go for it from there because a lot of them have to decipher between playing and coaching. It's two different roles, but at the same time, you can't change a kid that loves the game and loves just being around the program and say, hey, you're going to be a coach. I need you to wear khaki pants and a polo shirt and just stand there. I think that's horrible. I think that's the worst thing we can do as, as coaching mentors. we got to get kids that love the game and teach them through mistakes and let them fall forward about schematic. Let them get on the chalkboard and draw some stuff up. And even though it looks like a kindergartner drew, drew it up, we got to let them fail and coach them up. And I don't think – a lot of guys give that amount of time to those young coaches with experience. The guy who doesn't have any experience, I think the biggest thing is that if he loves kids and wants to be around it, we always will have him, what position do you want to coach? Where do you want to be? What do you want to do? Can you? It, what's your specialty? Is it graphics? Is it video? Oh, you want to do that? Do you want to? It, there's always something, somebody that hasn't had experience that's mm-hmm. good with something. 
And I think every football program has those types of guys, and that's why they're really good because they use those guys' strengths. They build upon their weaknesses, and they get a guy that's, okay, he hasn't had experience, but he becomes the running back's coach. But he also is really good at graphics, and he's good at the recruiting website. What's he really good at? Well, he's got his niche now. Okay, the guy that wanted to be a part of special teams coordinator is really good at meetings and is really detail-oriented. Well, we're going to make him into a safeties coach and a special teams coordinator because the kids love him and go forward from there. I think we got to be able to to find your, your niche as you enter the coaching profession and let you grow from there. Very nice. nice. And uh, I think uh, it's fascinating with some people's great experience or no no experience with great success is what I'm trying to get to Um, Charlie Wise, uh, Mike Leach. I still think Bill Belichick, I may be wrong on him, but um, it helped of course with playing experience. But again, you know, if you learn it and and you got the passion for it, um, put your mind to it and, you know, go for it. And you never know what may happen. Chips may fall where they may and so on and so forth. But uh, finish up on a few questions. Um, I know we're a little probably over the hour, but uh, <coughs> headed to the – okay, that was a well. Okay, here we go. Newest one – Excuse me if I can talk right. Uh, have you dealt with a with a angry parent? I'll make sure that was the right word first. Angry parent about his kid playing time. I, I think the biggest thing is that you don't talk about playing time. You talk about their strengths and weaknesses and what they've done in the practice yep. film. And I would tell anybody, if you don't film your practices, that's just mm-hmm. leading to disaster. Because then you don't have any footage to show because then everybody's going to say, well, he hasn't played in the game. And we don't talk about playing time. We talk about their performance and what they've done to earn the right to play and go forward from there. Um, Don't say playing time is non-negotiable like I see on some of these player contracts. I think the biggest thing is, did you meet with the player one-on-one yet? Did the position coach meet with him yet before the parent meets with you? Because I think it's all about getting a mature citizen after he graduates. So has, have you talked to the player yet before mom or dad step in as a position coach? Have you created a plan? Has a kid stuck to the plan? If not, then I think you know where you're going to go with it and what film you need to show is the practice film. Well, absolutely. And I know when I was playing um, practically elementary all the way up to the freshman year in college, um, Hey, you were if you weren't performing on practice, you weren't going to play. No ifs, buts about it. Um, especially, you know, when we look at film, you know, if you continue to miss your tackles, you continue to miss your blocks, so on and so forth, miss routes, misreads, whatever the case may be, you just weren't going to see the field much. That's just, you know, that's just how it was, and that's how we improved. But uh, <clears throat> excuse me, but. Uh, Final question, uh, looks like, that's came in, and I was about to ask the same one, so I guess it's a good thing he came in anyway. So um, your biggest takeaway, when it's once you retire 40, 60 years from now, uh, whatever the case may be, you're going to look back, what is be, what would be your hope that your people would say about you and your legacy? Uh, 
that he coached every day of his life to make sure my son had the best day of his life. That uh, Evan Dreyer influenced my son to become a better man, husband, son. It's not about, like everybody says, it's, about, it's not about wins and losses. There's a lot of losses that are still with me. It's There's a lot of wins that I think about. Those are cool, but I talk about and have stories with assistant coaches uh, all the time about the guys that were never in the newspaper that have helped us win. And I want those guys to be able to walk down memory lane and say, Coach Dreyer was hilarious, funny, energetic, got after it. You remember time when he got after me for this and he loved me up for that. I think that's the part where every coach is not going to be 100% perfect, but every kid should have a chance and an opportunity to be loved by uh, the coach. And I, I hope to God that each kid knows that uh, I loved them up. I coached them really, really hard. And uh, that they would say I was a positive influence in some aspect of their life. Well, and right there, that's, you know, it puts, it puts, um, that's what matters the most is, is improving these kids for the long haul. Cause you know, once they graduate and move on, then you hope that uh, not just at Anderson high, but you know, even here locally in Midwest city, it doesn't matter where you may be at. Uh, the, you know, hopefully that the, you made an influence that and an impact on their life that uh, will for years to come. And then, you know, they look back and we go visit the high school reunions and talk about the good old days or so on and so forth. So, no, that's that's excellent uh, advice by um, coach. I think also I want, and I think this is a struggle with and that I live with, and I think a lot of head coaches do that. I want the best player on the team and player ninety nine to understand that I love them equally, that they do so much for our program, and I think those like as I get through this, you know, head coaching career. I think that's the, the ones that I hope to God that I do enough and that I do this. And I think I hope that I'm doing enough. And I think that's sometimes you lose sleep over the entire roster of, okay, have I done enough to help everyone out? Yeah. And I hope to God that when I retire, somebody says, coach, I appreciate it. Thank you for you know, helping me do this. And uh, uh, that's all, all that matters to me. Well, absolutely. And people, you know, if you're out there listening, you know, it's again, you know, it's just a game, you know, life's more important. And, and uh, the influence that we make an impact on one another is it does make a difference. People don't do and don't realize uh, how much of a difference it does make. And, you know, we can go 0-10 or you can go 10-0 and and make the playoffs and lose right from the get-go. But at the end of the day, uh, life goes on, and uh, the impact is what is, is my opinion, what makes the win. I, th I think the biggest thing is that at 22, I looked at it differently than I'm at 36. And uh, – uh, I, I think as you go through experiences, and every old coach is going to tell you that, uh, just wait. Wait till you get wait yep. till you're married. You're, you're, you're going to change. Wait till you have kids. 
And I still remember looking at those coaches like, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to do that. That guy that guy's doesn't have a clue. That guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And as I get going, I'm like, am I becoming that old coach that nobody like, really listens to that his young guys are like, what is he talking about? And uh, I think I think that's really, really hard. Uh, right in your mid-30s of like, are you the young guy, the old guy? Where do you fit in? And uh, uh, who's listening to me out there of like about, I don't want to be the old guy that's talking old more stories. So um, it, it's really hard in, in that aspect to, to ensure people understand that you're, you're going to change. Your well, absolutely. And uh, I'm, I'm not too, I'm not too far behind and uh, 32. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I don't know if I can get considered young anymore or if I'm getting older and, because, you know, now, at least with my oldest son, you know, they may, my son even, they may watch the video. I know it's not on topic, but may watch a video and says, what's that? It's a VHS tape. You got to explain what a VHS tape is. Or you got to explain why back in 1999, we didn't have DVRs. We had, if you missed the show, you missed the show. You have to wait till next week. But, but now, even in sports in general, you know, you kind of fit. Are you the young one, the old one? Body wise says, "Hey, let's make a run for it." But some days, body wise says, "No, we're not going to do it." But no, I'm with, I'm with you. You know, uh, mid thirties, you're just you don't know if you're in the in the young stage or the the old stage anymore. <laughs> just depends, I guess, how everybody feels. One day. Yes, absolutely. And uh, well, I think the biggest thing is that. Uh, Weights coming up, and uh, and uh, we're excited about our, our next journey uh, for the next season, and uh, can't wait to put it all all put put the pieces together for the future uh, of our program and the future of our of our coaching profession. Well, absolutely, I'm I'm excited for for not just you and but also for your program, your coaches, your your players, and uh, you definitely have a not just for me personally, but from the um, from the podcast standpoint as well that. Uh, We'll be rooting you on, and hopefully next year, um, you know, maybe COVID will kind of limit down or, or at least limit to where we can get some normalcy back. But uh, we're hoping to make a trip up to Ohio, so uh, we'll make sure that uh, it's during football season. I'll try to uh, – I'll catch up with you then. That sounds great. And uh, hopefully uh, once you get Lincoln and – Coach B, O line coach at Oklahoma, to give me a give me a shout and uh, or talk ball with you sometime. I'm gonna listen in, and I can't wait to hear more about from the Oklahoma coaches because uh, what you've broken Arrow, Tulsa Union, Jenks. I've researched all those guys and how great they are, and uh, I, I can't wait to learn more ball from these guys. Those guys as we go through uh, kind of another Zoom clinic season and. Uh, it's one of the funnest things that I've been a part of to be able to talk football with guys all across the United States. And I think that's one of the best things that's come from this pandemic is that more guys are willing to share, more guys are learning, willing to learn, and our profession is growing. And we got to make sure we, we grow and mentor the young guys to uh, love and uh, oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been fun doing a podcast. I know most times it's, it's sports related to Tom Brady throwing four interceptions to whatever else may happen. And then there's also times to, Hey, let's just sit back, you know, more so just listen in and, and you never know. Um, once the show gets released here in the next hour or so, 
you know, that one person may say, man, that's really great advice. And you just don't realize uh, an impact, uh, like you mentioned earlier, regardless, um, that may happen. And, and uh, I'll, I will say this, if um, I'm going to do my best to get Lincoln. I know, I'm sure he's busy. Of course, he's busy right now. But once championship November takes place and we win another net big tool championship and once the season ends, I'm definitely going to try to get Coach B and Lincoln on here. And if I can, I'll make darn sure that you're on the show as well. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, uh, that one of those goals where I would love to cross off the list of the, of the bucket list of just being able to coach or talk ball with some of the best coaches in America and uh, go forward from there. So Absolutely. I and that. I know his uh, younger brother, I think it's his younger brother, uh, I believe he's the offensive coordinator down at uh, – he was at Southern Miss for a while. I think he's at SMU right now. But I try to get him on because I know he's – he runs the same type of format. But uh, I just kind of want to pick his brain as well just to see, you know, is uh, – what the – how the uh, the comparison from him to Lincoln is. So, But I'll definitely uh, keep you in the loop. And like I said, Coach, uh, you got my – our our support and we'll be rooting you on and – when we get to Ohio, uh, we'll definitely uh, – I'll hit you up. And you're always welcome to come on the show and just chit-chat. It doesn't even have to be about sport. We can just chit-chat until we can't chit-chat no more. So you are always welcome on board. I appreciate it. As always, God bless. And go hey, go. God bless you. Take care of yourself, Coach. Uh, guys, if you're listening out there, give Coach Evan Dreyer a go. Follow at Coach Evan Dreyer, D Y E R, if you want to spell out at Coach C O A C H E V A N D R E Y E R, head coach of Anderson High School. Coach, I wish you and your family a Merry Christmas and uh, stay safe the rest of the uh, 2020 year and hopefully. And I pray and, and uh, may God blessings on your <clears throat> up and coming season and just in life in general. Thank you. God I bless. And I'll talk to you God soon, bless. Coach. Take care. Take care. Bye. Talk to you. See you.